This is Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. It's powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. To get an extended 30-day trial, visit shopify.com slash masters. Hey, entrepreneurs, my name is Felix, and I'm the host of the Shopify Masters podcast. Each week, we put out podcast interviews with successful e-commerce entrepreneurs or experts to give you inspiration, motivation, and actionable tips to increase your traffic and sales so your store can generate the sales you need to live the life you want. In the last episode, Nate Barr from utilitytools.com explains how he finds it valuable to launch on Kickstarter, even if he only breaks even. On today's episode, you'll learn from an entrepreneur that breathes new life into his company by doing three-month rotations with his employees. In this episode, you'll learn why you should create a shopping cart for your customers over the phone, what is the most important contribution you can give to your sales team, and why you should pay more attention to industries outside of your own. Today, I'm joined by Stuart Johnstone from Stretch Structures, which is at StretchEventTents.com. Stretch Structures provides large, eye-catching outdoor custom structures and was started in 2005 based out of Sydney, Australia. Welcome, Stuart. Thanks, Felix. Hey, so Stuart, tell us a little bit more about uh, your business and what are these uh, tents that you sell? Yeah, we've, um, I guess we've been manufacturing uh, tents for the events industry now for, for or longer than uh, 2005. We started probably in around 2002 with a, a rental business based in Australia and um, designed and manufactured event tents for, for customers locally. Uh, and it's grown out of that. We, we eventually unsold the rental business and have focused our attention in the last uh, last number of years on the manufacturing and design and, and growing from Australia to now export all over the world. We've got a, an operation in the UK and, and one in the US and then have partners in various other countries throughout uh, throughout Asia and Europe. And um, yeah, I, I think it's from our design and, and uh, specialising in making unique structures for, for some very key clients here in Australia that's enabled us to sort of grow and offer those products to, to a much wider base of customers across the world. We've then standardised on a number of sort of uh, off-the-shelf structures we still do a large amount of custom structures, but uh, you know it's that that uh, that growing the the manufacturing for the the sort of key structures that seems really popular with a wide range of customers that has allowed us to to um, expand as we have. Cool. So this sounds or seems like a business that would be very much uh, locally focused, and it, it sounds like that's how you guys started. What made you guys decide to to make more of a stronger push online? Well, we were we were fairly much locally focused. To start, and then I think because we make such sort of eye-catching and, and unique, um, memorable structures, we, we ended up with a lot of uh, overseas clients coming to us and, and found ourselves manufacturing and, and shipping from Australia to, to, to clients all over the world. Um, there wasn't a lot of marketing and, and or, or uh, I guess strategy in that growth. It was more they were they were coming across you know great images from events and, and tracking us down. Um, because of that, it became more and more online uh, very, for the fact that, you know, we, we now find that many of our customers are quite remote from us. We're not, uh, we're not locally based at all. And in fact, Australia makes up a small, smaller market or part of our, our market than it, uh, than it ever did. And, um, you know, obviously the US and the UK are far larger markets. Uh, and so, so, you know, the growth has meant that to service those customers, we've had to get much more savvy with our online marketing and, and uh, the ability to give 
product information and, and allow customers to, to, to work through what we do and how we can help them online. Um, you know, and that, that's, that's really driven us towards being more of an online business than we were certainly uh, when we first started. Yeah, for for a product like like this, which has a, a pretty you know high price point, where I'm just looking through the catalog now, you know nine hundred dollars up to I'm seeing on this page almost two thousand dollars for a product like this, a U.S. dollars in this case. Uh, is it? Do you get many sales directly from just people coming coming to the site and adding it to their cart and checking out, or is there a much longer uh, sales process for something like this? There generally is a much longer sales process. It's, it's probably not so much the the driven straight through the website. Um, and, and ordering, the, the it, I, I guess we'd classify it more as an online catalog where people can can access the prices and product information easily um, themselves without having to sort of have, have it uh, or have the have their, the information handed to them or helped through. Um, there are of course orders that still come directly through. Most of the time, we'd probably find that's from customers that that know the products well and and uh, are reordering or are comfortable with what they're, they're getting. But there still is a fair amount of, um, I guess, direct, direct sales contact with our, our sales teams in each country um, early on. The the online site just gives us a way to make it easier for people to to add and change and and uh, manipulate their orders. Um, once they've worked out sort of what they want without having to, to deal directly with a salesperson. Okay, so it's like a, almost an informational uh, store, essentially. They come on to do some shopping, some customization, similar to how I guess someone might want to buy a car. They customize it, they look at what the options are, but then most likely they want to talk to a real person. So talk to us about this process then for you know other store owners out there that might have a product that is has a high price point or or just a, a, a product that requires a little bit more customization than just buying off the shelf. What's the process like? They come onto your site, they discover that they're, that they are interested in a product of yours. They see the, the sizes, the accessories, the colors that they can pick. What do they do next? Or what do you want them to do next? Yeah, generally they are being contacting us and, and the webs, or, you know, using this sort of Shopify platform and website makes that easier. We can have the, the online chat service, uh, you know, they can email us and there's, there's phone, direct phone calls, et cetera. So it gives them a great way of working out how they want to contact us at any one time. It, your your reference to a car is probably pretty pretty close. That it is that sort of thing where people don't sort of jump into these purchases. They do want to educate themselves and make sure with this, the amount of money they're spending that they're, they're making the right choice. Um, and we found prior to sort of doing this online, uh, you know, website or, or Shopify store that their clients would come back to us and you know, often request the same information that we'd perhaps already sent them um, several times. And, and that's just the case of, of, of finding that it's uh, that they wanted at different times. They're either perhaps browsing at work or, or at home. And, and um, so we were trying to make it as easy as possible for them to go and get that information and go back to it when they wanted to. Um, and then really only need the, the uh, contact with a salesperson once they're they're a bit clearer on what they're interested in, and um, we can then guide them more more easily to, towards the the solutions or, or how they want to sort of customize it for their particular requirements. Um, so it sort of helped us, I guess, get to a broader base of customers, but also just ensure that our sales staff aren't uh, are able to dedicate more time to clients um, when they when they have a better feel for what they're after. Uh, it, it ensures that you know instead of starting the sales process with a you know quite fresh and, and and don't have a as clear an understanding of all the sort of choices available 
that they've had that chance to, to look at that. And we may find that they actually then, you know, contact the sales team still several times, but um, they've had the ability to go back and then check on prices and, and, and work out what's going to fit with their particular requirements and budget and uh, and have those sort of options there in front of them by the time they're actually talking to one of our sales team. Okay, so you, the, the kind of flow for our customers that they'll come to the site, come to the store, see what's possible, play around some of the customizations, but then typically we'll want to talk to a salesperson just to make sure that all of the little nuances that they're looking for for their particular events, for their particular, uh, the structure that they want is going to be possible. And it's almost like uh, the salesperson is just there to help them get over some uh, educational gaps or some objections, but then... Do they typically close? Do, are the salespeople typically closing them on the phone, or do they usually do the customers usually go back to the to the website and then finish the order that way after talking to a salesperson? It's generally the latter. They didn't generally, you know, work out what they need with a salesperson, clarified, or sometimes we'll we'll um, fill in the carts for them, or, or fill in the, the mm-hmm. you know a draft order for them and send that to them to, to check and pay. We found, I mean, these are quite large ticket items, but um, being the events industry, most people are in a, you know, always in quite a rush. They've got a mm-hmm. deadline to meet the structure or, or whatever we have to make for them. And so, again, we found a lot of orders were coming through with credit card payments or prior to, to sort of doing the, the online uh, presence. We, we were finding more and more of our sales were, were paid that way um, just for that thing of wanting to get the order in quickly, get the artwork and get the, the sign-off sort of through so that they could meet, we could meet the delivery date that they needed. Um, so as such, we find now that, you know, because they can pay for it online, it makes it all very easily. We can send the, the, um, the order to them through the Shopify site. They can check. They can then add things if they need to or, or perhaps have forgotten to talk through a, a particular uh, accessory or, or change that they want and then put the order through and ensure that we can sort of get it into, into manufacturing quite quickly and, and out the door. We have some products where, you know, typically there's a turnaround of, of under, under 24 hours in, in manufacturing and, and shipping, um, depending on what clients are after. So it, it's, uh, it helps speed that process up really and, and ensure that we're in the past we were, we were having perhaps electronic transfers of payments. Uh, we're making up the majority of the way people paid. Again, that sort of speed of order and, and manufacturing means um, that yeah, more and more are going directly through that that uh, that uh, Shopify site. I see. So, so you your salespeople are sometimes uh, actually adding items to the shopping bag or customizing, adding to the, the the cart, and then are they just sending a link to that particular customized cart over to the customer for them to to finish off? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So the the draft order function that sort of in Shopify enables us to do that, and, and basically then they can they can make any alterations that they they feel they need or that we may um, that they may not have discussed with the salesperson themselves before placing the order. So yeah, it's, it's a we found it sort of an easier way and a quicker way for people to to to, to get the information they need and to make those decisions quickly. Um, again, time is probably one of the the greatest enemies we have with 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 our product range, and that yeah, most most clients are are ordering ordering them for a particular event or a particular outdoor sort of activation. So um, you know they, they have a very short time frame often for for wanting these products made and, and shipped. 
Yeah, I like that approach of creating these carts for them. And I, and I think that it could work well for even in, in industries or even stores that don't have such a high ticket item where you are, you know, getting on the phone or getting these live chats and talking to the customer and actually creating the, the cart for them. You know, a lot of times whenever I am shopping, I interact with somebody uh, through live chat. It's just, you know, explanation of answering my questions, but they're not actually putting the work of adding the items to my cart for me. And I think that that takes a lot of the or brings the, the the customer way deeper into the funnel, brings them way closer to the point of conversion by having everything that they're talking about in the cart already ready for them to purchase. Or, you know, maybe there's going to be upsells for, for them after they, they receive that, that customized cart from you too. So I think that that's a great approach, especially for high ticket items. But also I think it could work for a lot of industries that, that might not even have as expensive of a product as, uh, that, as you're selling. Um, so you, you mentioned that the, because, again, of the high-ticket item, because of the customization or customizability of your product, you, they, the customers want to make sure that they are making the right choice. How do you, what do you find, that, I guess, helpful to help them with this process of making sure that they're making the right choice? I, I guess it's, again, that thing by putting as much information about products out onto the, you know, out onto the shop so that the customers can, can see how they work, whether it's videos, images, um, instructions, uh, you know, sometimes it's even dimension guides for packing and, and um, you know, either perhaps going on road shows or, 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 you know, that's a particular issue for some customers where they may be flying the, the product around the country for, for various shows. Having that all available means that, you know, when, when someone's gone through quite a complex, I guess, sale where they've been looking at multiple, perhaps multiple vendors and multiple products from different people, that, that they can at least go back, check, ensure that they haven't misunderstood, have it all available uh, to make that, that, that uh, decision. That um, filling in the cart for customers, yeah, it's, it's quite an important thing. And it may be sometimes that we've, we've sent two or three options to them. Um, so that then again they can go look back through them, have the prices in front of them, and be able to click through from the cart back to the product just to ensure that they understand what it is that they're ordering and have that product-specific detail to hand. It, it may even be at a later stage, and I guess we found you know, post-order. Sometimes we've had um, or we have often clients where they've ordered, it's going out to – Maybe maybe the, the, a range of shops or, or a, you know if it's say a car yard where they've been bought from head off and office and, and and then been sent out to, to the um, distributors. Sometimes the clients themselves that have ordered may not even see the product itself. So the ability to go back through and check and, and have that information to hand to then pass it on to to the people that are receiving the information or receiving the product rather um, really helps and it, it's it's sort of, I guess, sped up our response somewhat and that instead of finding we have customers coming back to us asking us these questions after the product's been ordered, we find that they can get that information themselves easily. Uh, it also means that they may go back and look at the other products that they were perhaps considering and and, and, and purchase those for another set of events or another set of um, uh, or series of, of uh, event activations that they have. So, it's yeah, it's a great way for us to sort of help, I, I guess, build particular or different scenarios for clients, you know, send that out to them, have them have that to hand, whether they make that decision straight away or, or come back to us, um, you know, for an, at a later stage, it, it, it gives it all uh, to them in a way that they can click through and, and recheck 
um, or, or revisit particular products, which, which, which for us with such a broad range of offering, uh, offerings on our site really, really helps uh, just, just ensure that, um, you know, I guess that they, that they get the most out of, out of uh, working through this with us and, and can see what, what broad um, options are actually available to get, uh, to get their brand out at these sort of outdoor or um, trade show sort of events. Yeah, I like how the your approach of not just using the product page, the product description, just to sell the product, but it's it's also a resource after they've received the product, after they've purchased it, where they can come back and look at the specifications, look how to install it, tons of details. And like you're saying, it not only provides value for that customer, but then they could send this around to other people that might be doing an actual installation or actually the end customer. And now you've got another kind of eyeball, another the potential customer coming back to check out your site because of the value and because of the information being provided in a product description. Again, not just only sales focus product descriptions, but then also informational after the fact. I think that's a an important important piece that that uh, that uh, you know maybe a lot of stores and a lot of different products could add to their product descriptions just so that they can get uh, more use out of the product descriptions and more use out of the product pages. Uh, so I want to jump back to to the very early days that you mentioned that you guys started off as a as a rental business first. Um, what was that like? What was it like to run a rental business versus what you guys are doing today? Yeah, it was quite a different sort of industry. Uh, you know, we we were renting products that we purchased from other companies, and obviously then manufacturing and designing um, ourselves for for uh, for customers. Uh, you know, we had a, a quite a large customer base but smaller than we obviously have now and that it was fairly locally based um, and, and yeah it was a it's a different sort of industry the the client service side of things I think think is very similar in that we, we we're dealing with the same sort of customer base so we understand their challenges and, and what they're looking for and, and what uh, I guess what pressures they have when making these sort of purchase decisions um, and, and you know we were our own, our own customer really when we were designing and manufacturing these for ourselves. So so we, we sort of I guess understand the industry really well coming from that background. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, it's a different sort of industry really in the in the way it's adapted now. And, and some of that's even the technology nowadays. People are much more much happier uh, using the internet to to find information about these sorts of products and and to. Um, to purchase from us, we, you know, we find we have customers nowadays that, uh, you know, in the past we were we were meeting with them regularly face to face, or salespeople were actually seeing customers. Nowadays, uh, there is still an element of that, but there's a lot more. We have people are, are emailing and and uh, you know using the the internet, uh, the chats and the the website itself to to educate themselves about the products and you know. We we find we ship to, to to countries and to customers that we we never would have imagined uh, possible back when we sort of first started, um, and that's that's you know that's uh, it's an exciting part of it all. It opens up a whole lot of new challenges, but uh, it's certainly certainly uh, it, it made for a, a quite a different business than than the rental business. Um, the at the end of the day, though, the products really to make them effective and make them useful for customers, we have to make them as, as robust and as hard wearing and as easy to use and install as we possibly can. And that's come from having been, uh, you know, the end user from the very get go. So we, we understand that side of things and it means we can focus our, our development of the products on that and ensure that 
we make it simple so that people, when they order, they know they're going to get a structure that uh, that they don't have any problems with, and that 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 really anyone with any sort of uh, with no background in, in the events industry or or in using these sorts of products um, can can easily then store install or use. Uh, and if if they have any questions, again, having that information online means that they can get to it any time of the day from any part of the world, uh, rather than having to rely on some some technical expertise on the end uh, of a phone or or, or through their sales uh, representative. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like the the experience that you had as a, a rental business was a very valuable prior to you starting your your manufacturing business because like you're saying you guys were the the, the customers at the end of the day you were the people that are you'd eventually sell to as a manufacturer so if what when did you know that it was time to start making that process to become the manufacturer and move you know further up the chain uh, outside of just being a, 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 a I guess rental business well it, it almost started immediately in that from the from the get go of starting a rental company, we, we were making uh, the products for ourselves. Um, you know, we we'd looked at the market and found that there weren't really these sorts of structures for, for customers readily available, and and so we started manufacturing them from from an early stage. But we were really manufacturing them to then rent out, and and it was only after we found that while we were renting them that we were having people wanting to buy them from us that we we realised that well the manufacturing is, is is a, is a big part of um, what we do. It, the the um, at the same time, I guess you know, we, we background wasn't in marketing and sales, so the rental industry had, had, a, had a great way of marketing and selling the products we we did early on. We were out there finding that when we were actually installing them or setting them up for customers, that was a great bit of advertising for for our manufacturing um, side of the business because. Obviously, people would see how, how wonderful they look and how easy they are to put up and, and uh, how much attention they grab for, for the brands that they were being used for. Um, so, yeah, so the, 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 uh, it, it wasn't uh, suddenly we, you know, sort of moved into manufacturing. We, we, we pretty much started both hand in hand. I guess it was the fact that the manufacturing has outgrew the rental. The rental was is a locally-based company, it's, and although we were having – clients all over the world wanting to rent from us. It's not really practical to have our expertise of uh, installation sort of flying all over the world doing these things. There was a there was a large element of that for a time and we found ourselves doing events, um, you know, all over the place and and, uh, and having teams sort of fly outside of Australia to, to install these structures. The reality was, again, we were making them so that they should be installed by anyone rather than rather than you know, our expertise. And so that's sort of how it grew out of that. It's, uh, it, it, the, the, there was an early demand for that. And we found we were probably spending a lot of time dealing with overseas clients wanting that. Um, but then obviously the, the cost of having uh, installation people fly from, from Australia to North America or Europe um, to simply install a, a number of structures just, just really didn't make it all that feasible for, for, for most customers. Um, and, and you know, and then they would end up buying from us, and, and we'd we'd uh, provide the service to or the background expertise to to ensure that they they had no trouble with the structures, and that's that's again how it's sort of grown that we've realised well that you know providing all of this information online makes it easier and easier for customers to to use the products to understand them, and uh, you know the the 
early days of having to have an expert fly from one side of the world to the other to install something sort of uh, just doesn't exist nowadays. We we can essentially make any of our structures and, and a lot of large custom structures for, for events from uh, we've done events at the Super Bowl City in San Francisco to, to the Olympics to all sorts of large events, then down to small uh, clubs or, or um, you know, I guess uh, small venues that, that uh, you know, that uh, are just spending a few thousand dollars on a, a particular structure for, for, for whatever reason uh, they need it. So yeah, it's uh, they, they weren't uh, they were they were they were businesses that sort of grew up together. The the rental business, I guess, is, is somewhat being left not so much behind, but it was it became a smaller part of the business and, and eventually was sold on uh, to a to a, to another um, owner in, in Sydney and, and still thrives today and is one of our customers um, ongoing. But uh, the the manufacturing and, and the expertise that we've had in, in building these things for ourselves and then for, for so many numerous large brands and, and small customers worldwide has meant that that's, yeah, that was really where the focus of, of uh, our management team and, and most of the expertise that we'd, we'd built over the years, they, they were spending most of their time focusing on that side of the business uh, so you know, so it made a it's a fairly clear decision to sort of separate the two eventually. Mm, so n- nowadays, you don't have these teams flying out to to install th- these uh, these uh, structures anymore. How does the distribution work today? Like, how do you manage all of it? Because I mean, give us an idea. Like, how big can these structures get? How much can they weigh? Yeah, we have some large structures that are you know in oh, several thousand square feet. Um, most of them are modular, so they can be even even larger than that. Um, you know, some of them are designed for, for events of 3,000 plus people. So, wow. so some are some are quite huge. So the the I guess the then then there are obviously the smaller structures that are, are there for you know 10 foot by 10 foot or, or even a little lycra say um, event sales and and exhibition products that pack down into into a small sort of courier bag. So you know, there's a broad range of structures from from ones that uh, that you know are uh, a, a clearly, you know, container-based size down to, to where it is just a, a small uh, courier satchel. All of the products we, we manufacture, we have factories in, in various countries, both Australia, China and, and Slovakia. So we manufacture in, in, in those um, places depending on where the order is and what it is and what, um, you know, time limits there are on, on, uh, on getting it made. Um, so uh, the large majority, though, are, are sent air freight, and uh, then of course some of the larger structures would be would be sea freight or road freight out to, to clients, and and um, you know it, it really then depends on on what they're after. There are a number of things we do that are sort of conversion kits and, and so forth to help uh, rental companies uh, that already have a, a large number of structs stru- or stock structures. Um, that help them sort of get the most out of their structures by converting them to, into things that, or into structures that are, have a lot more wow uh, factor to them. And, and most of these, again, you know, the, the conversion kits packed down to, to things that can be easily air freighted, you know, around the, the country, so or around the world. Um, logistics is, is always, a, 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 you know, a, I guess adds its own challenges, but we're we're quite adept at, uh, I guess, starting as we did in Australia, where we were a long way from everywhere, we got quite used to getting good at, uh, at sending things long distances. The, um, you know, air freight services nowadays mean that we can send things across the world and have them there in, in 48 hours. So 
we we can we can support our customers as though we're we are in the same city or same zip code. Uh, no matter you know where the actual product's been made at the end of the day. So. Yeah, so you are, you are shipping these big items, potentially very big items, very heavy items that have customization. And now so there's certain scenarios where the customer needs it fast. They have a specific deadline to meet. Like, how often are these coming up, and how do you manage them so that it doesn't kind of just disrupt the entire flow of the business? Yeah, they come up quite regularly. I guess that's the thing. It's part and parcel of the business, really. We have, uh, you know, the, the irrespective of the size of the structure or, or the um, or what it is the clients ordered, you know, they're, they're sort of handled in the same way, really, in that we know they're all generally time critical. Um, you know, some custom structures may have taken us, it's a quite complex, large structures may take us a, a couple of months to, to build, and then there may be time to allow for sea freight, uh, depending on where it's going to in the world, or road freight, to get that structure out. But we even find with some of our large structures that they may be air freighted uh, around the place. Um, you know, often these are going out to events where they have a number of, a, a series of events. So logistics is, again, part of their challenge and that they need to move the structure maybe from, from an event on the east coast of America to then one, you know, a week later on the west coast. So we design them all so that they can easily be packed and transported in a, in a, in a way that, uh, that, you know, that works. So, so that means we're very conscious of the size of packages and ensuring things are uh, modular and collapsible. So although a large structure, um, you know, for say 3,000 people uh, will still be quite a, a bulky item. It would all pack down into into boxes or, or shipping um, cartons that, that are all quite easy to handle for most couriers. So that's that's in the most case. So so for some of our large and um, sort of stretch tents, I guess, they, they're designed that, yeah, the whole thing would pack down into a number of boxes or a number of cartons, all meeting the criteria of uh, the courier companies that we use so that they can be air freighted uh, around the place. Mm, gotcha. So you just have that experience of making sure that everything is in a size or modular enough that it won't be an issue when it comes to shipping. I think that's important too because one of the biggest, uh, most common pieces of advice for anyone that's starting a business for the first time is that when it comes, to, people overlook logistics, overlook shipping a lot. And one of the easiest way to get started is to sell something that you can pick up with one hand. And obviously, your your product is not that case. So obviously, there's tons of experience that's required when get to this level where you're shipping such large and heavy items. Um, so one of the, the keys for you guys, like you're saying, was that the location of the, the factories that, the, that are making these are strategically placed so that you have great coverage over the world. But then you also mentioned that you have sales team spread throughout in different countries as well. Tell us about that. Like how did you get started? Which countries were you, were you um, putting sales teams in, in at first? Yeah, we, we grew into, I guess, the UK and and, uh, and a lesser part Europe early on. Um, I, I think that was just a, a natural sort of growth. I'd, I'd actually moved from the UK out to Australia before starting the business, so still had, uh, you know, they only recently uh, recently sort of um, changed countries. So we, we, we started there with a team, probably, eight, I, I guess we've been running there now eight or nine years, but... Um, that uh, they were at the early start. We were servicing the US um, from the UK and from Australia and sort of covering that time zone for, for a large number of years. And it's only really been in the last four or five years that we've, we've realized that, uh, or that we realized we needed people on the ground there to, 
to help the client base. So, so the U.S. is probably a newer market, although we've been selling into the U.S. now for, for almost day one, really. Um, but uh, it, it's still a, a younger market for us. The um, again, the sales roles changed somewhat, and, and meant that we can we can sort of spread that around. Early days, we used to have used to spend more time out visiting clients, uh, working with them, um, you know, that, that sort of thing. Nowadays, again, because we've got better at providing that information online and, 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 and uh, learn from how and what customers are after um, and trying to make sure that they can get to that 24 by 7, that's meant that our sales teams have become a bit more distributed. They can almost be based anywhere. And, um, you know, we, although they're all in the, the time zones for North America, they are spread around and uh, that way they can they can service the clients and, and they still go out and obviously spend time with them where, where necessary. But, um, you know, it has meant that they, they that uh, as we've grown, we've, able to, we've been able to bring on people, you know, more, more for their skill set and knowledge than, than, than having to find people in a particular location, um, which, which has helped us grow a great team. Uh, that way, and and get good at or get better at uh, ensuring that they have all the support and tools they need to to help clients um, with the with their with their sales decisions. And so, at this point, you have a globally distributed sales team, but not because you necessarily need a presence in those countries, but because you're looking for the best salespeople around the world, and you don't have to just focus on people that are local to you in Sydney. So what are some difficulties, though, of managing a globally distributed uh, team, you know, regardless of a sales or not? But how do you make sure that you are uh, able to manage a globally distributed team? Yeah, there are some challenges there, but the, the technology, I guess, is, 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 is so much better nowadays than it was when we started. So the ability to have uh, video conferencing calls with the sales teams, to, to have all of their the information they need online um, available for them to, to access 24 by 7. We use a lot of good CRM tools and, and other things so that everyone can see what's what uh, you know what um, other people are doing. We involve our sales team in the marketing side of our, our business as well as much as we can, so that they understand. You know that's a, a big part of learning. Um, you know, learning what clients are after, what they're looking for, what what we can help them with. And uh, so, yeah, everyone sort of is is, uh, is open or have a fairly open um, back end for everyone to, 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 to ensure they understand how it all works. And, and it, may, it fosters the fact that although, you know, the, 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 team, the sales team uh, can be quite remote from our manufacturing and production, they're, they're dealing with them on a daily basis and, 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 you know, in many ways feel as though they're working in the room next door. Um, so, you know, it's it's... It is really great that, uh, you know, the production managers in, in each factory know all the sales staff intimately and, and uh, you know, they, they, they all feel comfortable spending time online or on the phone or on video conferences sorting out what they need and, and uh, you know, working through the, the process of ensuring the client's, um, client's orders are, are delivered or you know, are put through our process. Um, as quickly and as efficiently as possible so that we can meet those tight time or tight deadlines that, uh, that are part of our industry. Mm, so as a, as a you know, manager or leader of the company, 
And when you're working with the globally distributed sales team, what do you find is the most important contribution that you have to make to to enable your 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 team members, the salespeople, to do their job well? I do spend a fair bit of one-on-one time with each person, um, and that's just to, to work through uh, you know what the, what they're working on. We have um, a lot of tools like Asana and so forth, where project-based tools where everyone's contributing to. To, to programs in the company to improve what we're doing. Um, the, the, you know, the, the, the challenge, I guess, is, is from an early stage of making sure that the people are a good fit for the company and, and, and um, you know, that, that uh, it, it's a great win-win for both of us and that uh, we have a, a very clear set of company goals and, and uh, a mission statement about what we do and how we do and our, our focus on on making, you know, fun, flexible and, and uh um, you know, uh, wonderful structures for customers, and, and so you know, it's, it's early days when they first join that we try and ensure that, uh, that you know that they understand that that's a part of that that uh, thing that they feel an ownership uh, of the whole process that we do, and um, you know, the, the 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 key really is to then dedicate a bit of time each week to to, to each person and run through those things. We um, we ensure that alongside the sales, uh, you know program that they have that they're involved in the, the in the product improvements and the uh, process improvements and, and other bits and parts of the, the 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 company so that it's not just a sales role for, for each person they, they may be working on how we better document things how we look at uh, a, a, a obtaining better feedback from customers and so forth alongside the sales role because the role really isn't just out there finding sales leads or, or, or driving sales through. It, it is from the get-go of, of when customers contact them, of being able to understand what the client wants and how best to help them. And um, to do that, you know, the more they know about uh, the whole way the business works and um, you know, what we do internally to, to, to meet these demands from customers, the, the better they are to, uh, at, at you know, finding solutions that suit and fit uh, the, the particular client. So it is, it's almost like in, ensuring everyone's part of a, a global team, but then a lot of smaller sort of functions and teams that, that work together across countries so that, uh, you know, that uh, everyone really does spend a, a bit of time, I guess, with, with each other in some way, shape or form um, whether it's from the logistics side or, or the you know, marketing side or, or packaging or any of these things, but they all have a bit of an input. And uh, every three months we, we, we do a new program where we sort of shift the focus of each person onto, a, onto the next sort of challenge for the next three months. And um, that gives us a chance for everyone to then try and uh, get involved in another part of the business in some way, shape, or form. So, yeah, there's a there's a fair bit of work that goes into that from a from a I guess a management level, but but it all drives um, even though you know some of the staff are quite remote, drives that they're all part of a team and that they can see that there is a, a, a bigger I guess um, machinery behind them to support them in helping customers. Yeah, you you're, you almost seem like the the connector of all the knowledge within the company, right? Because your goal when you sit down with these people, these uh, salespeople, these team members that are remote, one on one, you are making sure that they are 
uh, not necessarily course correcting, but you're making sure that they understand or, or have a top of mind the cultural and the mission of the company. But then at the same time, you're getting information from them, very valuable information from the market back into the company and just making sure that all of that stays connected, that everyone is communicating, sometimes through you. Um, and you mentioned that every three months, one way to, to one way you run this company is by shifting the focus every three months by moving people from a program to a program. So can you say more about this? Like what, do you, what do you mean by a, a program? Well, we pick, we pick uh, four or five, I guess, key areas that we want to see improve in the next three months. And, and we focus people and allocate uh, you know, a role, whether it's just even managing it. Sometimes that role may not be that they have an active involvement. I mean, it, it, a person in a sales function in North America may be put in charge of helping improve our logistics process or, or um, you know, the, the the uh, feedback process we have when, when orders have been made and, and the tracks through to, to customers. Now, they may not be the ones actually physically doing any of this thing, but if they're given the, the responsibility of, of working out what challenges we have, what we can do to improve it, um, then they feel connected to that part of the business mm-hmm. and obviously have to work with that part of the business to, to try and improve it. So, yeah, we, we have a bit of a brainstorm every three months and, and then set some targets and goals on around those programs and allocate them around so that, that you know, so that everyone sort of has some involvement in, it and, and I guess, what are key parts of the business. Um, you know, not, we can, I guess, sometimes get to the end of three months and find we may not have improved the way we wanted to or that we've found other challenges, but that gives us a chance to reset and decide how to focus, but, but generally we find this, this sort of method works well. It gives a, 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 a focus for a, a brief enough period of time that we can actually see some real change and real improvements. Um, often, you know, there's a, a case that we can, if you if you set a longer term goals, which we, we still do, but uh, that they can get lost in the day-to-day work that, that people have this way. They've got a, a very short time frame to try and actually see some real improvement or, or drive some real improvement in a part of the business. So it, uh, to date it's worked well and, and I think everyone buys into it in, the, in a great way. They, they take on board that responsibility when it's given to them um, to then try and improve. And it helps them also understand some of the challenges that other parts of the business may have. It's, it's very easy when you're perhaps dealing with a sales-focused person that, uh, you know, that they, they don't sometimes understand what challenges there may be to get things uh, through a, a, a very tight time frame of manufacture um, and, and when they've then been involved in that it means that they you know they can they can appreciate that and they can bring that appreciation to, to when they're dealing with clients to, to ensure that they they um, work out the best solution for them and uh, that they're able to understand how to to sort of manage what what otherwise um, you know, may, may cause problems at the back end if they're promising or, del- or, or, or presenting things that uh, that we know may have uh, some internal challenges due to whatever it is, holidays, um, you know, just time to manufacture or, or cure or whatever it is that is uh, that's likely to cause a, a particular solution to, to take a little longer. Um, and it, it then ensures if, if they have there are generally various or quite a range of options that clients have, uh, but within our product range. So it, it, it means that they understand that at the front end and so are better able to service customers and, and guide them to the ones that are going to sort out or solve their problem 
in the best possible way. I, I like that that you put these them on these uh, projects. It, it's not like a their main focus either, right? It's just something that they could work on on top of, or I guess alongside their their I guess their main job. That's right. Yeah. So they, we we make sure they dedicate some time to it. So if they you know if, if it's a sales role, again that they they have some time blocked out in their calendar that they. They then spend time on that, and, and it means that they would, yeah, perhaps then have more communication with a part of the business that they they wouldn't have otherwise. Uh, they may know it's there and may may be dealing with it, but not not to that level. So yeah, it it, uh, it ensures, you know, it does ensure that they get a better, well-rounded understanding. They don't have to become an expert in that part of the, the industry or part of the business, but um, because they now have spent time trying to resolve a problem or improve an area, um, they, they, they better understand it and uh, and often can bring their skill set to that area of the business where, whereby perhaps the people in manufacturing or, or in the logistics side have uh, been so focused on, on their particular role that, that sometimes a, an outside perspective can, can bring in uh, improvements that they wouldn't have seen themselves right yeah just a different perspective but then also i think one one great benefit from this is too is just the the empathy that it builds too because you know like you're saying a salesperson gets a, a chance to work closer with the the manufacturing distribution side and gets a better understanding of what it's like and the the risk the limitations of, of why you know things might not be as fast as they'd like and i think that just builds a lot more kind of camaraderie within within a company i think that's a great idea um so i want to go to something that i think you i'm not sure if you or someone from your team had mentioned in the shopify success story that was covered of you guys where it mentions that one of the key um i guess uh, exercises that was, was that, that you suggest doing early on is to get to know what your competitors are doing did, did you go through this exercise and what was your experience like when you were trying to understand better about what the competition was doing? Yeah, again, it's probably a little bit of a program we, we continuously run and that, um, you know, it's very easy to get sort of inwardly focused or focused on, on, on your customers and what you're doing for them to, to not sort of look about and around and see where people have made improvements. And it's we try and make sure it's not just competitors, but other industries. There's often related industries and sometimes even unrelated industries where they've they've they've, they've uh, are doing things in a way that that um, you know when when we take those blinkers off and look at them, realise that that would really improve the way we do um, our business. So so yeah, it's a, it's a case of from a for, from looking at competitors, we 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 sort of task again people with going out and and contacting competitors and and. Um, going through the sort of sales process with them to see how they handle it and, and whether there's things they do that we could improve from. Um, it is a very competitive industry, although we do some quite unique structures. You know, there are no end of other companies that, that offer uh, customized structures or, or, or um, you know, structures that, that functionally can compete with what we do. So. We, you know, going out there and, and understanding how they price what they do, how they they manage the the whole program and process, just ensures that we can uh, ensure we're we're delivering as high a um, quality sort of service as, as we possibly can. Um, that that that's as I said, that's not just always competitors. Sometimes it's a case of picking another industry, whether it, it can be something like the car industry. We know there are there are so many other industries that sell high ticket items uh, out there. And uh, we can learn how they handle um, the whole 
sales process and the customer education and and, um, and uh, so forth, so that that we can we can uh, you know I, I guess use their expertise or, or things that we think uh, work well for them and try and work out how best to then implement something similar in our business. Now we're, we're still a very small company uh, compared to some of these you know say say car um, or the car industry, but uh, you know there's clearly things that they do that that if if we could, if we can learn from and and adapt to our industry would, would work well. So it is it is something again, and often that'll be part of our three month program. We'll we'll pick something uh, that we we feel we need to look at, whether it's a product range that we need to go back out to the industry and just ensure we're we're delivering um, you know the right product at the right price. Uh, often you know with these products, sometimes we may have overspec them. We may be you may be delivering a, you know, a far higher quality product than the, than the, than the market's willing to pay for. Um, and, you know, it may be sometimes a case of just even understanding that. In general, we obviously chat, one of our goals is to make sure clients are getting the best value for money. Um, and, you know, and so, so that'll be part of that sort of three-month program. It'll be a, a case of working out what what it is that we want to try and solve or, or try and learn about uh, and tasking someone and a team behind them of going out and working out uh, what our what 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 to do from that or what what we should have learned from that and and uh, yeah it's, it's it's an important part of I think trying to continuously improve the business that you you don't find yourself um, too too focused on your own business and your own customers to not sort of uh, get out, get out there and learn from from I guess experts in other industries. Yeah, I like that you do go to other industries too. I think that's so important because uh, a lot of it's almost like an echo chamber a lot of times when you are just focused on your own industry where everyone's just learning and uh, sometimes copy from each other when you could look outside and see what's effective in other industries and you might not take exactly what they're doing but it might give you inspiration to see how you can apply it for your specific business for your specific industry and do you have an example of a change that you made maybe recently or that, that based on researching competitors or other industries that has had a big impact on the business? No, there's, there's quite a few. I mean, a few come to marketing whereby, you know, looking for customer feedback and, and, and um, things like that. That's, that's one that we're currently working on, working on how other co- companies approach that. I mean, we, we're often shipping, you know, custom structures out to, to clients and we, we get some great feedback and great images sometimes. Um, but you're trying to get more of a, a whole picture it means that sometimes, you know, a survey may not capture that and people don't have a lot of time. I guess in this industry to, to fill in these things. So, so we've been looking at how other industries sort of sort of solve that. That feedback process is obviously really important to us to, to ensure that we can improve what we do. Um, that you know we, we get an understanding of, of you know things that we may not have. Certainly, when we've customised or, or come up with something you know completely new, that uh, we get um, you know great feedback from clients so that we know. What we need to do to make it easier or better, or whether it's uh, you know instructions or videos and, and these sorts of things, um, and you know we found that it's a little bit of a challenge that the, you know they, they they move on to their next event and although they love it, the products often and often are keen to, to come back to us with with uh, suggestions and that there are lots of times when they're just too flat out with the next event uh, and may mean to but you know it. it uh, can then get to the point where it's you know it's gone a while before we get that information back. So so yeah, we, we've been busy 
at the moment looking to see how other com- companies handle that, what they can do to, to try and get uh, get better feedback um, and more timely feedback while, while that product or while that particular program was still sort of active. Any hunches yet on, on how you might be able to do that? Well, we've, we've tried a few different things, um, you know, looking at how to, to, to make it enticing for customers. And, you know, it's not a case of freebies or, or discounts. It's just trying to, again, feel make them feel like they're part of that process or part of that program and, and add some value to, to what they do. Um, it, it's still probably early days and the young lady who's looking at this has, has come back with a few ideas. We've probably got to brainstorm them a bit and, and do a bit of uh, sort of testing to see if, if they, they work with our client base. Uh, she's gone out to obviously other industries and, and, and looked at how they do their sort of, um, I guess, market or after sales research. And uh, and uh, we're trying to adapt that. But, yeah, that's that's a small program. There, there are lots of other ones. I'm, I'm struggling right now to think of a, a good example that's not sort of complicated by, by our product range. Yeah, no worries. So, so when it comes to actually marketing now, because again, it's a high price point item. Like you're saying, it's highly competitive. It's uh, the the customer base isn't unlimited, right? Because these are people that are putting on events. Uh, what's been the most successful sales channel, or marketing channel for you guys? When it, in this kind of scenario where you have a large price point item that that you know requires multiple touch points from different salespeople and uh, this customization involved, like what what works well for for this kind of setup? Yeah, it's, uh, I guess it's a continuous improvement for, for that. What worked well, you know, 10 years ago is, is, is quite different. Now we, we've got a very large sort of newsletter subscription base and we do a lot of um, sort of topical articles and, and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, uh, try and ensure we're providing a lot of useful information in that newsletter. Um, so that still works, but it, we're finding that it's probably – uh, you know, I guess everyone's finding themselves inundated with email nowadays and, and having time to read those. It's probably not as, uh, as or, you know, when we look at some of the stats of, of open rates and, and reopening and, and that, that, that has gone down a bit, we're, we're doing a lot more social media, obviously, than we used to do. And, again, it's trying to find things that are topical, that are of interest, that help client, uh, our clients with, with other parts of, of their, their business, mm-hmm. not just mm-hmm. structures things that, that perhaps are of interest to them um, outside of what we do. Uh, so, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a constant sort of challenge. We're lucky enough with the product range that we do that every event is a great showcase for what mm-hmm. we do. So mm-hmm. it's a great product in that sense to market. Um, and, you know, and the, the more clients see of us, the, the, the better, or, you know, that, that, that moves it forward quite, quite quickly. Um, we have an internal sort of copywriter and, and you know, she's busy constantly. We, we, we internally have a sort of FAQ resource where, where clients' questions have been uh, sort of logged and uh, then we work on how better to answer those, how better to put the information out onto the onto the onto either our blogs or our articles or onto the, the Shopify sites themselves. Um, and, and I think that's that's probably now for us one of our better marketing tools and that the more we spend internally on improving that, the more we find customers uh, are finding us naturally because they're, they're searching for those answers to those questions already online and uh, it means that, you know, we're, we're, we're providing a resource that they can come back to to, to get answers about outdoor structures or, or event uh, structures or or some of the challenges that event people have with with uh, with 
putting on these sorts of um, activations. So, so that, that, that's certainly an area we want to focus more on. And, um, and, and so far, it, it certainly seemed to be the way that uh, I think uh, uh, better leads are generated. And, um, you know, and it, uh, it, is a, it is a time, a lot of time sort of goes into that. But uh, I think it's time well spent because we find if we, we're, we're able to help one customer with a problem, uh, there's generally, you know, thousands of others that have that same issue or, or, or that needed that same uh, information to hand, so it's a, it's a, it is it is probably the the primary thing. It, it's it's a, almost a growth from the newsletter where we used to include that in the newsletter to now looking at how better to get it out onto the internet uh, so that people aren't aren't uh, I guess fed it that they are actually just looking for that naturally and, and finding the answers that they need. Very cool. Yeah, I think education is a great way to market and you don't have to only educate them on your particular product, like you're saying, uh, help them and give, bring them value in other aspects outside of your product. And like you're saying, you might talk to them about events, it doesn't have to be specifically on how to set up your structures or how to how to you know pick a product of yours. It can be, uh, you know, adjacent topics. Um, so with the, you know, with being in business for over 10 years and the, these marketing channels you're focused in, can you give us an idea of how successful the business is today yeah i mean we we've obviously grown from from being in uh, mainly in the australian market to, to um you know in the uk and us and and beyond that into to distributors in europe and and uh asia um yeah look uh, we've uh, i don't have the figures to hand but the you know we're, we're probably at least uh, five or six times the size in revenue that we were uh, three to four years ago, um, we're expecting the same sort of growth. The U.S. market is still very new for us, and, and clearly, it's a much larger market than, than either the ones that we're established uh, or well established in now. Um, the Australian market, we're probably stagnated—not stagnated, but the growth is, is slower here because we we have a very, I guess, mature client base that knows uh, about us and has has been using us now for for so many years. Um, uh, so yeah, so the, the focus for us is, is, is uh, I guess, growing in those uh, other markets that, that we're sort of newer to, and uh, that's meant that a lot of our focus is, is out, well, is on the US and, and the UK and, and the staff over there. Again, ensuring that they are, you know, the copywriters based in North America. That you know that we we we, we focus things in ways that that suit that particular market. There are differences that we've learned over the years between the markets and how things work, everything from standards to, to uh, just, just the, the, the challenges that, uh, that, that um, people in the industry face in different countries. Um, and so that's, you know, that, that uh, but, you know, the experience we've had of, of dealing with it in one country translates pretty well to others. So we're pretty adept at, uh, at, uh, at meeting those challenges and, and ensuring customers, uh, we have solutions for customers. Um, yeah, to, to, uh, I would expect or hope to see that we grow at a, at a similar, if not quicker, rate in the next few years. Um, the events industry, we did take a, a knock with the GFC, which is, is quite a while ago now, but we, we you know, it was quite evident both in, at that stage in the UK and the U in Australia that uh, things for our particular industry did slow down quite dramatically. But that's that's uh, long gone, and I think we're we're well back into the days where we're. Um, you know, there's a lot of demand for this sort of product, and, and I think for, for customers, 
these sorts of products give them a, a real point of difference and, and a, a memorable um, customer experience. So, you know, they're a, they're a key product for, for uh, I guess, and then an ever, ever get, well, it's, it's getting busier and busier and harder and harder to, to stand out from, from companies, even for the larger ones. So, the, you know, it's an industry or an area that uh, I guess most larger businesses and marketing um, parts of businesses realize is, is, is quite crucial. So, uh, but at the same time, they obviously need to get a return on their investment and our expertise and the history of doing these things mean we can, we can clearly help them understand what their return is and uh, ensure they get the most value out of, out of the investment. Very cool. So yeah, it looks like or sounds like where you guys want to go next is just uh, more expansion into these uh, different geographies. So you know, thanks so much again for your time, Stuart. So stretcheventtents.com is a website. Looks like some you know great options too for anyone out there that's looking to do uh, local events that are setting up uh, their pop up shop or something or at uh, different uh, um, events that where you want to to put up your your products for sale. I think that uh, might be a great fit for a lot of uh, listeners out there. Uh, anyone else you recommend that they check out? They want to see more of what you guys are up to what you guys do uh, we've got obviously the Facebook page and, and uh, you know some, some great galleries on Pinterest and, and that there is our, our um, I guess our corporate website is, is stretchstructures.com uh, and then there's obviously the sites for each particular country um, but yeah hopefully hopefully through through getting to the stretch events tent, stretch event tents.com website they'll get a, a good feel for what we do and and uh, and certainly contact any of our friendly staff that'd that love to love to help you awesome thanks so much Stuart thanks again Felix I appreciate your time thanks for listening to Shopify Masters the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs to start your store today visit shopify.com masters to claim your extended 30-day free trial